right, you ready? Yeah. It's time for another really big fan podcast. I am, as always, am your host, Chizuk. I'm joined, as always, by my wife and co-host, Acronym. As always. <laughs> she makes that sound. <laughs> and uh, this week, we're going to be talking to our friend, Brandon. Yes. About post-hardcore music. What is it? You'll find out uh, in the interview segment for this week's show. But uh, before we get there, as always, we like to do the first segment of headlines. And before we even get to the headlines, I want to remind you guys that you can subscribe on Patreon to our shenanigans at the $5 a month tier. You can get yourself not only this podcast in an ad-free format, but you can get our additional Patreon-only podcast, the Really Big Fan Podcast Double Feature, where me and Mike Pandoff talk about movies and then add them to our top list of the greatest movies of all time. And honestly, you guys are more consistent than we are doing this one because I am just a disaster that screws up time every week. We are. Yeah, we were going to do this last Wednesday and then we had adult things to do. Yes. uh, As in get you a new car. Yes. A new used car. And keep in mind, um, when we go through the interview today, there is a section where we're talking about the 10-year fanfare, which actually happened this past weekend. Oops. So that was that was a blunder on my part, because we could not get it together by Friday. We could. <laughs> no, it was not we tried. last week. Yeah. So, but so, uh, we're... hopefully everyone had fun. I know that friend of the show, Jacob, was doing video for ah. the show, so... It probably was amazing. <laughs> you, need to, you need to get a hold of Jacob, see what he's coming back. Yeah. Yeah, I got to see what he wants to talk about next. <laughs> so he wants to do another Blink-182 And You need to talk about how much he loves Tom. Yeah, and, exactly. No, he, we should have him to talk about against me because he really loves Laura Jane Grace. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on board. Yeah. Headline time. So I showed you a video a couple of weeks ago of this dude that was on Twitch mm-hmm. and... uh put uh, two toasters, had uh, a fork in each hand and put each of them into a toaster mm-hmm. and screwed up his uh, his his stream as well as shit himself. Uh, he got banned from Twitch for 30 days. Yeah. And says, and, and also said that he, uh, he faked electrocuting himself. Yes. Which I don't believe. I think he actually did it. I think he uh, is telling Twitch he didn't... He, he so he doesn't it. get in more trouble. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't just get his account taken away. I mean, if you get electrocuted like that, though, you could die. You could! Absolutely. That's some... That's some... a concern with like stuff like this or, or TikTok where like people do stuff for the views and they can actually hurt themselves. I think that's why Tide Pods started. Yeah, well, we can all thank Jackass. Yeah, I mean, we can thank Jackass. I'm, I'm just saying, like, a lot of people have done a lot of dangerous things since just to get views on these platforms. So, I mean, before before there was Jackass, you would go to like the freak show at the cir- carnival or the circus or something and see this kind of thing. They do freak, but show then you, uh, theaters are too right. But once once you show a bunch of young people that you can make a lot of money doing very stupid things. Well, they're already going to do really stupid things. So Might as well capitalize. Exactly. <laughs> See, I just like I don't understand like eating Tide Pods or like let me let me do something that might kill me. We just used to like put somebody in a shopping cart and run through a parking lot. Still dangerous. Yeah, but not nearly as dangerous as electrocuting yourself. Very true. So, <laughs> and then pooping yourself. Yeah, exactly. That's the best part of that video. He's like, oh, I think I shit my pants. Well, I think he faked it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think so. 
Uh, this is terrible news, but Elon Musk is going to fund Gina Carano's lawsuit over getting fired from The Mandalorian. She really needs to stop while she's in. She's also seeking a court order to be recast in The Mandalorian. <clears throat> the funniest thing that could come out of this is if she wins the lawsuit and they have to put her in like the Grogu and Mandalorian movie or something like that, but she has one scene. Yeah. <laughs> just like one, just blinking, you miss her. There's Gina Carano. <laughs> Well, I mean, like, they could they could actually have, like, a thing, like, an exchange real quick and then not have her in the rest of the movie. That, that is doable. Yeah. Especially with the passing of Carl Weathers. Yeah. That is the other part of this news, and I, I would say probably more important. Screw you, Gina Carano. Definitely more but, important. Uh, um, being that he passed, if, if hypothetically they won that somehow... She could always be the one that takes over yeah. his place. I don't know. And, and then do I was so hyped for that character when I. When oh, I believe me, I was her. too. I wanted to cosplay. This a big old muscle lady. Yeah, I I was totally all for her, and then she ruined it. Yeah, the, the, ruined it, and now she ruined it even more. Because now, just talking to Elon Musk, you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you say that, and you still have an ex account. I do not. I I got rid of my ex account. That's, screw that, man. That's still where a lot of the uh, a lot of get, I get a lot of my news from. Yeah, the wrestling is pretty much the only thing I miss. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> pretty much it. I'll, I will watch the first segment and the last segment of Raw and SmackDown, and then I'll catch the rest of it in gifts. Yes. Uh, I saw this a uh, couple of weeks ago, and I had to share it with you. Somebody has modded the Super Nintendo Super Mario Kart game mm-hmm. so that you play it with what they call Resident Evil. Uh, style play where everything's on a fixed camera no oh god so i'll show you this video here where you see this is regularly how mario kart works mm-hmm. you've got the behind the uh this is how resident evil mario kart works where like the camera is fixed in either of the corners no you have to drive away from the camera no i do it's... not that level is already hard enough yeah no oh, thank you awful awful idea yeah no no but you know a a a, a marvel for a snus hacker that's uh, put it together. I'm trying to see. True, yeah, you know what his name is. Job there, but like, no, thank you. Will not be playing that, Mister L three fourteen. So like, good. Hey, I'm sure there's a practical use for figuring out how to do that. Um, and while we're talking about video games, so a couple of weeks ago, Microsoft has been uh, shedding jobs they've shed about 2000 jobs as well as got rid of and this is in in lieu of them buying you know activision yeah like they bought up activision and then they just like shut a whole bunch of shit down and fired a bunch of people so long this stuff goes they're like i'm gonna buy that thing and then we're gonna make sure that thing doesn't cost as much by just by gutting it everybody yeah but even activision blizzard has seen uh some of their studios some of their workers impacted by it and then this past week, um, the, uh, hold on a second here, the head of Xbox, if you want to um, call him that, um, Phil Spencer, who's the CEO of Xbox Gaming, mm-hmm. uh, said that they are not in the business of out-consoling Sony or Nintendo. There isn't really a great solution or win for us, and I know that will upset a ton of people. And he also said that... Um, we could see some Xbox exclusives show up on like the Switch. Hmm. And people who are hardcore 
Xbox all the way are losing their minds. I can't imagine. Your minds isn't upset about that? Or yeah, super it? upset because they're supposed to be their exclusives. Yeah. Like as as an old person who lived through the Nintendo Sega video game war, I I, uh, I remember the days of like, well, I guess I'm just not going to play Sonic the Hedgehog because I'm playing Nintendo games. Right. Well, that makes sense. Still chaotic, but. Yeah, I, I just, I can't imagine. Throwing, throwing in with Xbox at, at this point in time feels like throwing in with the Psycho Master system <laughs> when the Ness is right there. Yeah. Which I did and regretted. <laughs> I just can't, I, I, for me, I, I don't see exclusives on the Xbox that makes me go, yes. The only thing I see on the Xbox that makes me go, yes, is Game Pass. Yeah. And that's because you can use it on your computer too. So. See, that's helpful because using it on the computer, then you have access to more shit. Right. But, man. Last week they did a, like a PlayStation State of Play thing, too. Mm-hmm. And one of the trailers they showed was literally for a game we were playing a year ago on Steam. Oh, that's great. <laughs> like, coming to PlayStation, V-Rising. And I'm like, isn't that <laughs> game I was playing with? Yeah, that's, we were totally playing that like a year ago. <laughs> That's always wild to me. Like I, I saw the same thing last year with like the Nintendo Switch, where they were like, "We're bringing Sunhaven to the Nintendo Switch." I'm like, yeah, I started playing that back in the spring. It's great, but it's not new. Right. It's new to Switch owners. I got a couple for you, real quick. What do you got? Um, they, these are just going to be like surface things, but Grammys happened, so we everybody was talking about that over the weekend. Yeah. Miley Cyrus finally won her first Grammy. Which really, yeah, surprisingly, she's never won a Grammy. She won two that night. She's been nominated as she'd been nominated before, but she's never won. And she beat out like Taylor Swift and a bunch of people. Interesting. But um, so she ended up performing that song "Flowers," and I don't know if you know the background story. So here's the thing: I do not. So you remember the guy that Jennifer Lawrence was with in um. The Hunger Games movie. Yes. Gale. Okay. So that was Miley Cyrus's husband at one point. Okay. He cheated on her. Did did she did she approach him before or after Hunger Games? Oh, they were in a movie together. Okay. Carry that's on. how that happened. Um so he cheated on her a bunch. Okay. So the story goes that she either rented or bought the house. That he was doing all of his cheating in. And then she came in like a wrecking ball. No, she filmed the music video for this song on the property. She had done like a whole bunch of working out, so her body was perfect. She was even doing workouts that he had taught her in the music video. There's so much lore that goes into it or whatever. So this is what she won a Grammy for is this song. It plays off of the Bruno Mars song, When I Was Your Man, and like, I should have bought you flowers, I should have held your hand. Okay. She twisted it on its head and said, I can buy my own flowers, I can hold my own hand, all this stuff. So during the performance, she is singing this, and she's kind of doing some ad-libs. She's like, I didn't want to leave you, but I did. And I didn't want to do this, but I, you know, being kind of sarcastic about yeah. it. And then she goes, started to cry, but then I, I just won my first Grammy. And then she just starts dancing like crazy right around the stage. <laughs> Everybody just starts cheering for her. Like That's kind of cute. She like lost it. And it was so cute. She had the, she had her hair kind of like Dolly Parton's too. And those two were really close. So I think that was an homage to her. Yeah. But it was super adorable that that happened. Um, some other wins that happened and other cool things that happened. Um, Joni Mitchell 
one best folk album and she performed for the first time ever on the Grammys. Uh, the Grammys. Like how how do you not have we Joni were, Mitchell ever perform on the Grammys? Well, we were talking about this when they were going on on Sunday because you were like, I can't believe, you know, you, you haven't been working where you have to care about the Grammys in right. a time. And you were like, I can't believe I'm so detached that I forgot the Grammys were. Talking. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you were telling me about like the Rock Awards. They just give them away before the show is even. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. Like- pretty much some of them like so Paramore won. Yeah. And crazy that they didn't um, televise that because. That is the first time a female-fronted rock band has ever won. Right. And so then they put out a statement about that, and she goes, ridiculous, but true. <laughs> like, and I'm like, yeah, that is pretty ridiculous. Um, another cool moment that was kind of emotional was that Tracy Chapman took out the stage for the first time in 13 years. Yeah, they, she played form. Fast Car with yep. somebody. Combs. Yeah, that's cool. He basically, he did, the, he did a cover of the song on the country radio. Yeah. Shot up to number one, gives her royalties because he didn't change a damn thing in it. And so he was performing with her. And when she starts singing, everyone just loses it. Like, oh, yeah. Screaming and stuff. She's got this great grin. She still looks amazing. Like, it is really cool the last couple of years to see the, uh, like, to see older music acts. Mm-hmm. Thanks to like Stranger Things or something like, yeah, get their flowers in a in a nice big paycheck way, right? That and the fact that you know they're getting them before they're dead because we yeah. wait until then, right? Um, Billie Eilish won a couple awards for the "What Was I Made For" song for Barbie, which was great. Good for her. Um, Taylor Swift won her thirteenth Grammy. She took home a couple, I guess. I saw that she, she had announced the big ones. Yeah, so she ended up announcing an album. That's technically illegal at the Grammys. Really? So I'm surprised that she's uh, a. What do they do? Gonna let her get it. I was gonna say, do they take your Grammy away? Yeah, right. You broke the rules. You broke the rules. Now you don't get your Grammy. But she announced an album, and everybody was thinking that she was actually gonna announce the Reputation Taylor's version which is uh, the re-recording. Yeah. So she got up there and was like, she was talking to everybody and everybody's like kind of like waiting to see what she says. And then she's like, new album instead. So all of internet, like with threads, the people that I know that are into her, like everybody was losing their fucking marbles. Has she, done, has she done a Taylor's version of like her first album with our song on it? Uh, I don't think. I have to look. I don't remember if she did go back that far or not. Yeah. I know she's done stuff like, um, like nineteen eighty nine. She just did one for. I don't know if she did. I think she did Red already, and so it was like some of the mid ones, right? But I don't know if she went back that far. I'd have to look it up. Um, also, Killer Mike from Run the Jewels got three Grammys for his solo stuff. Cool. And then was immediately arrested backstage. Well, they, like, they said he had an altercation outside somewhere before this happened. Well, so. it's uh, they they do know where you are exactly. when you're at an award show like that and you win something. Exactly. And then uh, my last little piece that doesn't have to do with the Grammys was that uh, Toby Keith died. The other yeah. Day, stomach cancer. And so anybody that's been in love with uh, country music in the past and... If you feel like you like some of that America music that he put out in the late aughts, 
Uh, you may have been bumming, but most of us just listened to Should Have Been a Cowboy <laughs> and called it a day. I got a head full of the Toby Keith songs in rock band that I yeah. enjoy. He did a song called Beer for My Horses, which was real Yes, that one's It's got Willie Nelson and somebody I else. don't like Red Solo Cup. Like, I know no, I'm not, not into that. Yeah, not as big a fan of that. I, I personally, I like the older ones. So there was How Do You Like Me Now? Okay, yeah. That's one of the ones I really like. Yeah. <laughs> And it, that's just kind of silly. Um, there was one I want to talk about me. You go, I remember that one. You want to talk about I want to yeah. talk about number one, no mommy, my. Yeah, that was a cute one. That was fun. I, I liked him. It's much like my Kid Rock situation where I liked him before it went Stars and Stripes. And the minute it went hardcore patriotic, which is an interesting turn yeah. in country music, not to go on a tangent, but in the... <laughs> After 9-11, which is, this is the fifth time I've talked about 9-11 on this podcast, <laughs> I'm keeping count. 2024 is the year where we mentioned 9-11 in every episode. <laughs> there you go. Um, 9-11 happened, and then there was the shift in country music where everything went hardcore Patreon. America! Everything. And it was to the point that, like, some of the music that had been coming out, like, things that were, um, like, like Dixie Chicks and mm. stuff like that, now they're just called the Chicks. But, um... Like a lot of that music, especially women driven country music, got pushed down in the 2000s because all the men came out with their America on their shoulders. And, and that was the state of country music in the early 2000s. It was wild. I listened to a little bit of country music in the uh, like 2010s ish, mm-hmm. like the late, the late 2000s. And that's when like Taylor Swift and Carrie Underwood were all starting. Yes. And that's where I was like, country music. It's just rock music with a fiddle. It is, now. pretty much. Yeah, a lot of the time. And then some of it can be hip-hop. If you look at Florida Georgia Line and right? stuff like that, there are some songs that come off a little bit more and they have remixes. Hear, hearing country singers rap with a twang. I have kind a... Kind yeah. of silly. I have a playlist that's called Hybrids and it's only got like four or five songs on it. But it's like... Uh, Nelly and Tim McGraw, Nelly and Florida Georgia Line, right? Ludacris and Jason Aldean. Oh, that's pretty good. That that one's a good one. Um, God, what was the other one? Um, there was one of Luke Bryan and Jason Derulo and somebody else, right? So like, there's like all of these weird little crossovers that have happened over time that I thought were fun, but like. Beyond that, it's a lot of the music now is either like it's like pop music with a twang or rock music with a twang. Right. That's all it really is. I looked I looked it up. She did not redo her Taylor Swift album. Her okay. Yeah. So she started with Fearless. Okay. Doing yeah, yeah. Taylor's version of them. Yeah. I actually searched for Taylor Smith. <laughs> so I was listening to you and I was just like, beep, 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 beep. And I, was, I was like, oh, no, it's Swift, not Swift. Smith. <laughs> So anybody that's really upset about Taylor Swift being involved in the football, now it's in your podcast, too. Ha! Suck it. <laughs> um, I'm just going to touch on some wrestling stuff okay. because some of this stuff is still in development. But I we talked briefly about the Vince McMahon lawsuit. Uh, that has continued on now. John Laurinaitis, who was his like second in command for a long time, uh, has gotten his own lawyer and said he's also a victim of Vince McMahon. Um, okay. Uh, that noise was not me sneezing. That noise was me going. Oh, Hall Gaming unfollowed us because we talked about Taylor Swift. Oh, goodness. S- sorry. You know, 
Um, That's all it takes. You really weren't a big, big fan. Right. The Royal Rumble happened the same week as the, the Vince McMahon stuff dropped, and it was a pretty decent Royal Rumble. Yeah. Um, CM Punk hurt himself. He's out for four to six months. Uh, and uh, Cody Rhodes announced last week that uh, he, well, he hasn't announced exactly who he's going after at WrestleMania yet, but he announced, uh, or he w- started to announce that The Rock will fight Roman Roman Reigns at WrestleMania and We Want Cody trended on X for like the entire weekend after that. Yeah, did you end up seeing his clip um, that came up where that crowd kept chanting, I, We Want Cody, We Want yeah. Cody? And then he goes like, he said something to the effect of, I've always wanted you. Duh. It was really cute. It's on, it's he's, on WWE. He's out John cena John Cena at this point. He really as is. As far as being the ultimate, like, superhero good guy mm-hmm. uh, that's what i said though i feel like that works for him him it trying does. to be a bad guy in aew didn't work yeah it, it wasn't that he was a bad guy like it, it worked that he was a bad guy but it worked only in the way that it works for the miz where it's like no i fucking hate you right stop talking but yeah everyone's been upset because cody's not going to get his wrestlemania he's still going to get his wrestlemania guys the story is developing just let it develop. In fact, I read the other day about finishing the story. Finishing the story. He's gonna be sick of everybody asking, "You're gonna finish the story?" Man? Right. Like, I read a thing the other day that The Rock was at Raw, and when the people were chanting "Rocky sucks" and everything like that, he was actually like, "That's what I was going for." Yeah. So y'all got played, you bunch of marks. He he wanted everybody to be like that, and he wants to be the heel. He, he remembers when Batista won the Royal Rumble, and Daniel Bryan wasn't going to get his WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And they're just kind of playing that back. Yeah. So that's that's uh that's what's going on in wrestling right now. Oh, and I literally liked what you sent me earlier today. Regarding wrestling as well, uh, that Bailey is trying to Bailey really- wants a Paramore have paramore play her out and as you said it to me and i was like i don't know if paramore is gonna do anything like that right now because they're they're transitioning into a new album right and everything else we don't know if they're going independent we don't know what they're doing really it'd be really cool really it it depends on uh if, if wwe reaches out to paramore and if the people in paramore care at all about wrestling well and funny enough i have seen bailey interact with the um the hair brand yeah. that uh Haley has called good die young there's been times where i've seen them interact on twitter before and they're like oh yeah we'll send you some stuff so it's like she is known by them but i don't know if it's enough to bring them on to a wrestlemania right level. but It'd be cool. I always, that's probably my favorite thing about WrestleMania is when somebody gets a band to play them out. Yeah. Like, even if it's not somebody I know, when Bray Wyatt got the guy who wrote his song to play it. It was cool. So he could play out. It was the coolest fucking thing ever. I liked, um, and it doesn't have to be, even have to be musicians I'm aware of. Just if they're playing a song I know in a live capacity so the guy can walk out to it, I'm like, this is the coolest shit. I think one of my favorites was EO Sky getting an entrance at NXT from Poppy. Yeah. That one was really cool. Right. Um, I think they did do Code Orange for Bray before, too, didn't I they? I think so. And then there was, I think they had whoever did, uh, was it Aleister Black, Mal- Malachi Black? Yeah, his his like, NXT thing. I'm trying to remember which. Yeah, there and they had that that guy get they played had, out. Had, um, had, yeah, they had them in NXT. I wasn't as thrilled about the Joan Jet 
Ronda Rousey, and it didn't seem like Joan Jett was as thrilled about it. Right. Either. She seemed very like meh about it when she was up there. So yeah. I don't know if she really wanted to do it or not. Well, and Ronda Rousey did chime in when Vince McMahon left, saying that as long as Bruce Pritchard is there, Vince McMahon is still essentially their oh, yeah. proxy. Mm-hmm. So that leads people to believe she's got some issues with Bruce Pritchard, which is not a, a, a not you know bad thing that's with with this whole, I mean, we have to wait to see how it all shakes out. If it goes to court, what more we're going to find out about it. But right now, as it stands, like Vince McMahon has gone underground. He's he's not being referenced at all in the WWE anymore. Brock Lesnar has disappeared uh, and is not being mentioned because he's not by name, but by implication is in this lawsuit. And the lawsuit is not just against Vince McMahon and John Lawrence. It's against the WWE because it fostered a uh, a workplace where these things could happen. Right. And that's the thing I, I keep reminding myself is like, this isn't just a su- suddenly turning over a rock and finding out there are terrible things. In there. This is just the latest story against Vince McMahon. Well, and you said that before that you were, when you were talking to me, it's like, you can't tell me that John Cena didn't know. You can't tell me. That There's a lot of people, you, you know, you know, tr- Undertaker. Triple H yeah. dodged a couple questions about it after the Royal Rumble. And it's like, you can't know, like... You, you, if you, there's no you way, no, it's your father-in-law. You, there's no way you don't know. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a level of deniability, and sort of like Xavier Woods might not have known. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, Xavier Woods has his own past. <laughs> right. Well, that's right. I, I was trying to pick some random wrestler that was like mid card out of a hat, and I, I landed on poor Xavier Woods. <laughs> All right, that's enough of that. We're going to talk about post-hardcore music with Brandon with a really big fan podcast, Returns. Welcome back to the Really Big Fan Podcast. Today, we have Brandon Conlon in to talk about emo music and his favorite band, Chiodos. Well, one of his favorite bands. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Good to see you. How's everything yeah. in in the warm areas? Because you moved recently. Oh, it's so nice. I did. Yeah. Um, just less than a month ago. Um, it's hard not to talk about it without bragging, but it's eighty degrees out right now. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> not a not a cloud in the sky. A little, you know, wearing a t shirt, a little sweaty, but you know, that's not a complaint. Um, yeah, that's a lot good. better than us. We're we're in the midst of snow right now. It's true. I know. <laughs> Um, but at least it's, I heard it's a little bit, you know, it's nice and pretty out right now. So yeah. if it's going to be cold. At least there's like a little bit of snow, you know? Exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, just, um, you know, warming up to the area. I've been trying to get out and go to some, uh, some local shows and concerts. Um, found, uh, found like the local metal scene kind of. So I've been trying to, you know, get in there as, as much as I can and see some bands, you know, Hell yeah. That's awesome. So would you say that like out of the genres that you like the most, you like more metal style stuff than like pop punk or do you kind of subscribe to all of it? Post hardcore in general is my favorite, which like contains a lot of that. Right. You have like your emo metalcore post hardcore. Um, That's pretty much my my jam um metal is included you know it's all kind of like in the same little area um 
but you know, I like some pretty singing. I like some uh, emotional, raw lyricism. You know, um, yeah, that's that's where it's at for me. What are some of the bands that you feel? Because it's like I've like I like a lot of different music, um, but when it came to like the labels of what is post hardcore, what is hardcore music, what is this, what is this, I don't yeah. know what bands go under what umbrella, you know. And then yeah, yeah. you look at some of the stuff like, like I don't know what you'd consider "Bring Me the Horizon" versus like mm-hmm. "A Day to Remember" versus yeah. "Show Me the Body." Like "Show Me the Body" yeah. is hardcore, but then you have yeah. like. All these other yeah, mixtures. So, yeah, so so a day to remember would be like metalcore. Um, uh, Chiodos is very very post hardcore. Chiodos, uh, like La Dispute, um, um, I see stars. Uh, we came in as Romans as more metalcore, but they used to probably be kind of post hardcore um, with a lot of Kyle singing and whatnot. Um, Bring Me the Horizon probably would be old Bring Me the Horizon could be, you know, deathcore, but they're pretty post hardcore. Um, but even technically emo music is um, post hardcore. Gotcha. Um, or a, a, a type of it because post hardcore right. is post punk slash hardcore. Um, so anything that's like post punk, you know, your, um, you know, Hawthorne Heights, the used is very, very post-hardcore um but it's safe to say like the label of screamo kind of that that is like what it actually that's what they used to call it back in the day and now it's got a like a different identifier more so yeah yeah Gosh. pretty much and there's like you know because like you can you can consider a lot of different music screamo but as its own like subgenre with all of that stuff um it's kind of like a like more like a marker i guess um, but yeah, Chiodos is like essential. Chiodos, um, who else? Um, who else was Thomas in? Um, Fall of Troy, like those bands, yeah, very, very, yeah. very, very post hardcore, um, almost like progressive, but that's like where the emo influence comes from, like the, like the, um, all over the place kind of like free flow jazz kind of stuff, like, American football and um, cap and jazz, you know, like real old school, like Midwest emo. Yeah, because there's like so much different, like going across even like what is the best example? So at one point, um, Haley Williams did a podcast for BBC UK um, and it was called Everything is Emo. And she kind of went across the entire span of a bunch of stuff. So she uh, did have stuff like American football mixed in there. Yeah. But like she also had like like Fugazi in there. And then then you have like a dashboard confessional. Then one of them, uh, I think she did like uh, every every episode, there was a one where she would pick an album and then they would do a shuffle and then it would pick a song and that would be the one they would do. So every episode had a different oh, nice. album. And so I think she did do American football for one of them. There you go. I know she did Panic at the Disco at oh. one point, stuff like that. Uh, oh. I think even one of them, she did the Twilight soundtrack because there was so much stuff on there. Yes. <laughs> She's really like, I'm input. not playing Wait. the Twilight one because I'm on it. I'm just playing it yep. because it was important. Yep. I mean, it is pretty iconic. I mean, you kind of have to give it give it some props <laughs> yeah the, the first that one was like really stacked and it was kind of funny yeah. i had said to him before um for some reason the radiohead song 15 step did not make 
the actual soundtrack. Oh. And I don't know if that's because of how they released in Rainbows from Radiohead, but mm. like for some reason it's at the end of the first Twilight movie, but it's not on the soundtrack. But then you have stuff like Paramore and Muse and all those guys. So yeah. and one song that was on there was it the it, like Blue October? It's really, really slow, but it's like just like hits so heavy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that I noticed when you're kind of naming certain bands out of there is like when you name Chiodos and uh, Fall of Troy, a lot of that's from here. That's like Michigan based or you have uh, We yeah. Came as Romans and stuff like that. Do you yeah. think that Michigan for some reason is an epicenter for that stuff? So, I mean, I'm a, I'm pretty biased, obviously, from being from Michigan, from being from, you know, the Detroit area, um, knowing some of those guys, having some of those connections. Um, but in coming out here, um, you know, I, I've only been in the Phoenix area for maybe a month or so. So I definitely don't have like a great grasp on like the full scene, you know? Um, but the Midwest is huge for bigger named metal, um, metal core emo bands. Um, it's also a, like a good, um, like like passing through area right so like you have like all of you know like the chicago you've got um all the big sea cities in ohio um you know detroit right there like the midwest is big for for stops um and i think that there's such a huge pull in the um in the shows and the concerts out there that a lot of bands like to visit there in general which in turn makes the scene larger and helps pump out a lot of these bigger named bands um it's the weather really <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly they make you emotionally charged and angry or, uh, we're, either, we're either sad or we're we're very uh, angry and upset about yes. what the weather is yeah. doing yeah Except exactly. movement season then everybody's like Dicko! yeah right right that's like the beginning you know um <laughs> And then so but it is kind of hard for me to gauge that because obviously I grew up with a lot of those bands um, and I'm still kind of like trying to figure that out out here. Um, and we're since we're in the off season of like touring right now in general, there's not many of those like bigger shows that are coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm starting to see, you know, push out like march april may some of the larger bands are kind of starting to come through here so i think after you know the next six or seven months i'll get like a bigger um, a nicer feel for that but in general like a midwest emo emo in general did kind of originate you know in the midwest and a lot of those bands kind of stemmed from you know i'm not going to say completely stemmed from that genre but definitely though they definitely had an influence on it obviously it you know, it's partially stemmed from the grunge and, you know, the whole like Seattle scene and whatnot. Um, I know Fall of Troy, um, Thomas lived in um, Michigan for a while with Chiodos, but um, he formed Fall of Troy out there in Seattle. Um, so, so obviously their grunge scene, you know, was huge. And then Midwest emo kind of was like the next kind of wave of that grunge. We were like, all right, we'll, we'll take your, We'll take your 360 days of rain and raise you four months of snow. <laughs> right. 
Well, and that's something that we we kind of dive into what alternative music was a couple episodes ago with our friend Jeff. And it's interesting to see like where there is a lot of connection between grunge coming down toward that. And yeah. one of the things that I, I was mentioning was like, you have to think that people like, you know, Burt McCracken, Gerard Way, all of these guys have probably had their love and roots learning things from whether it be Nirvana or grunge yeah. in general. And you start to see some of the parallels, like I was even talking about just simply watching how anti-ghost plays and realizing there's so much influence of Kurt Cobain in the way that Sean plays guitar, whether he knows it or not. I'm not entirely (laughs) sure if that's on purpose, but you can look at it and go like, okay, these themes are still being passed down through all these bands generation to generation, whether they are cognizant of it or not. And I think it's so interesting because it's like people will blanket term alternative music. And we were saying that like that's partially due to radio because they don't know what the fuck to call it at that point. Exactly. But the the when you start boiling it down into the subgenres, there's so many different subgenres. And that's like I when I was growing up, I would listen to Chiotos, but I wasn't like the like a huge fan knew everything about them type deal. No. Um, but there were so many different bands like Chiotos that were part of that era. And then there's like a certain cutoff point where I don't know stuff anymore. Like the minute that you start getting into Escape the Fate, I'm gone. Like no. I don't I don't know anything. I don't know if I was protecting myself from Ronnie Radke back then. I don't know. <laughs> but I was just like, nah, I don't like this. I think I'm going to stick with, I'm going to go back to listening to the used. <laughs> right, right. So it, well, it's interesting to see the differences of how they all connect, though. It's funny because, so I, when I was in high school, I liked a lot of the very, very, and I'm just going to call it scene music, right? Super mm-hmm. scene, like, I liked, uh, you know, 303. I really loved Family Force 5. I liked, like, Broken Side. Talk about a scene band, right? <laughs> uh, uh, Rocket to the Moon, Hit the Lights, Mayday Parade. Um, what were some of, like, the more, like, neon scene bands? Kind of like, like that's kind of like the genre that I put them in is, like, neon scene. Is, was Dance Gavin Dance part of that? Because I don't really know a lot about them either. Um, yeah, pro- no, I would say they were a little bit, they were definitely more like, I mean, they're they're very very post hardcore. Um, there was like attack attack. Yeah 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 attack like attack. They're definitely like they're very very metalcore. Blood um, Brothers is another one that keeps popping. Blood on the brain. dance floor. Yeah, stuff like um, that. So so I liked a lot of like the 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 neon scene because there was like scene and then emo and there was just mm-hmm. like it was like like happy emo and like actual emo kind of thing um but then i got into electronic music for a couple years and like was kind of like out of it for a little bit and then i was like you know what i'm sick of just people pushing buttons you know which i know there's way more than that you know but that was just my (laughs) like my mindset at the point i'm like i miss live music and then i jumped back into um to to metal post hardcore and um and emo like head first after that right and i just dove right in and like became not obsessed with it but like that was it you know like um chiodo's bone palace ballet and uh like that on repeat as well as um collide with the sky pierce the veil right like those albums yes essential to that time period right like 2013 
was like the the epitome of like emo metal like just like the peak I can, um, they completely forgot to mention Pierce the Veil because in the beginning oh, they were very it was like uh, chemical brides like all, all yes. of that era coming up machines. yeah and the yeah. fact that like there, it was recently within the last like couple of years people were going because they came across King for a Day on TikTok and then they were leaving before the headliner went on and so it would like the room would completely vacate after Pierce yeah. the Veil was on that and was that was the, really like sad the, to see uh, it. I prevail. Yeah, that's, that's what it was. And, and that's the yeah. weird part too is because like I prevail would probably be considered like a new version of of that scene but I don't know how much of that because it, it's weird with the way that Michigan operates especially with the way that they operate with radio too is that I prevail gets played alongside like a five finger death punch. Yes. But yep. it's like also part of this side of it too. And it's it's odd how they go together now. But like yeah. you're not gonna hear a bring me the horizon played next to a five finger death punch nearly as much. I don't know if that's because it's a Michigan based band or if that's because the sound works both ways. Do you have any thoughts on that? I, I would <laughs> I would disagree. I think Bring Me the Horizon also gets played does very it? frequently on the same radio stations that we're we're speaking gotcha. about. Oh, I've never heard "Bring Me the Horizon" on the radio, so that that's okay. maybe why. Some of their newer I, songs. Some of their newer songs are definitely yeah. yeah, newer songs. Yeah, I know that popular "Monster Falling in Reverse" definitely got played a lot within that, no. but that also kind of makes sense, right? Despite Ronnie, right. Right. <laughs> it's funny that, whole, like, that you guys talk way. about like hearing the grunge influence in in that kind of music because I'm certainly not as well versed in this music as I am in my nineties music. Yeah. But when I do hear it, I hear more of like hardcore punk. Yeah. That's also in there. Definitely. And I guess that's probably why it's called post hardcore. Yeah. Exactly. Yup. It's very, very heavily influenced in that. Um, which is, it, it's very, very interesting to like see how like the, this genres and sub genres just like funnel into everything, you know? And, and like, like you were saying about, um, the the Kurt Cobain influences. If 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 either of you guys have ever seen the used live, you've seen you've seen Bert and his dramatics, and sometimes he'll just go into like Shakespeare or something like in the middle of a set and just like throw all that in and just get like super you know emotional and raw with it. You know, um, it's 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 huge and like that's the that's the shit that I really really love. I actually just saw. Uh, I, I met a new friend a few weeks ago and she told me to come out to the show and um, there was a new band that new to me called um, uh, Planet uh, well I said something planet um, I'll have to I'll have to remember what what the name was right but the um, it was like a beautiful combination of maybe like we came as Romans or a day to remember but like with little intermittent parts of La Dispute in between with like the, the the raw spoken word and then going into like singing and then eventually screaming. Um, it was, oh, Silent Planet is what they're, it was, okay. they're called. Um, I and feel like that, were they just announced for upheaval? I feel maybe. like I've heard that name before. I hope so because I, I in watching them, I was like, in all my in all my years of, of being in this scene, I've never heard of them. And I was like, 
kind of blown away because, um, you know, I've, I've been to quite a few festivals and I'm always looking out for shows and, and artists and um, they were really, really good in, in raw, in, you know, charged up. I'm like looking at the the lineup real quick now because I was like, I feel like I've heard that name before, but I don't. Yeah, silent. silent. It was either that or somebody else had mentioned them on social before because I know I follow some people that do booking for festivals. So that might be yeah. what it is that I'm thinking yeah. of. But um, that one of the ones that did come up on there was Icy Stars is is going to be at Upheaval this Good. year. And that's I have not seen them or photographed them before. It took oh, no. me until last year to photograph We Came as Romans. Somehow I I missed it the entire time I oh, lived no. here. I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I'm, how. Like, I'm in Grand Rapids photographing a Detroit band that somehow I've never photographed. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we, we've been around them, you know, all mm-hmm. the time. I mean, like they literally like lived at Crowfoot. Yep. No. Um, it's interesting that the Crowfoot is really part of that scene as far as the Michigan scene is concerned, like that is home base for a lot of that, I feel like. Yeah. And obviously, obviously, you know, St. Andrews is like the little bit jump up from there, but all those bands pretty much get started. Like their turning point is the Crowfoot. Yeah. You know, um, that's like really the, the, the venue that kind of gets everybody, everybody going, everybody's kind of, you know, turning point. Um, yeah, like the Pike Room too. Like I, it's attached yeah. to the Crowfoot, but I, I've seen so many bands that fit that sort of bill that end up they start through Pike Room, then they get to the main stage, then it's like Loving Touch, then it starts going up from there. It's yeah. interesting to yeah. see the the connections of how they go through. At least in in this scene, it's there's like a pattern that you. Witness. It's wild to see the hierarchy of like dive from dive bars to local clubs to you know. Yeah. And what's what's really fun is once, um, you know, once you have a band like Icy Stars or We Came As Romans, you know, make it up to, you know, selling out the Fillmore and St. Andrews, they'll come back and do like a smaller intimate show at, you know, Pike Room or Loving Touch. Um, you know, Icy Stars does their like little Christmas show at the Loving Touch, um, super intimate. Um, so it's, it's, it's fun and it's cool to like kind of like see those like hometown guys come back and do, you know, the smaller things. Yeah, recently I know I saw Boys of Fall had come through. Yeah. Uh, I, I was at their acoustic show and they had their old drummer come back and do like an acoustic set with them and they filmed it for like a charity thing or something. Yeah. So like you do see a lot of that, like they're they're touring in other places, but then coming back and doing stuff like that, which is really Yeah. Cool. Speaking of Boys of Fall, um, this upcoming weekend, they are going to be playing at... Um, 10-year fanfare at Crowfoot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So tell us about, about that lineup. I know you did the, you oh did some of the graphic work for yeah. it. For for those yeah. that, that... I didn't get into this part yet, but Brandon does graphic design and did the um, flyers for Found in the Underground. So, his, so you could say his passion is graphic design. Exactly. Okay. Yes, Absolutely. yes. Absolutely. Yep. And um, I, I got to see this flyer, so like I knew it was coming, but... <laughs> yeah, so let me try and find it on my phone real quick. Um, I can even pull it up on um on my email. So so this is actually uh, a fifth rendition of the show. Uh, we skipped. I think we, they. I think the last one was in 2020, right before everything shut down. Right. So the following three years have kind of been skipped over. Um, let me pull it up. It's all of our gap years of it because I was like yeah. was going through my photos <laughs> this past week, and I was like. 
Where is Movement 2021? Oh, wait. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, that didn't happen. That's why you can't find it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <sighs> yeah, so I got it right here. So so basically what the 10-year fanfare is, um, like I said, we've been putting it on for about, uh, this is the fifth rendition of it, but it is um, a local show of um, mostly local bands that do covers of huge albums that came out 10 years ago. Um, thus 10 year fanfare. Um, so you, you mentioned, you know, boys of fall and we mentioned Clyde with the sky by Pierce the veil earlier. So they are covering Pierce the veils Clyde with the sky. Um, not going to say in its entirety, not in its entirety, but you know, all of the ones that you want to hear, um, right? which is huge because I mean, boys of fall, they're great. And if any band can cover Pierce the veil, oh, definitely. Um, I know they've um, covered um when they did the the loving touch one they covered a bring me the horizon song and did it acoustically and they did an amazing job so I have no doubt yeah. in my mind they can handle pierce the veil. <laughs> I think they did um I think they might have done a day to remember or um something else in the the prior years. Actually I have Yeah. Um, I want to say it was a day to remember. Is there yeah, some, I, there's I'm someone saying, doing con- this. uh there's oh, somebody doing common courtesy, right? On the 10 year fanfare? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I was, so I was gonna say, um, I'm talking about this as if I don't have their, um, you know, their flyers right in front of me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so someone is doing common courtesy. Let's see who it, who it is. It's um, yeah, cause that was a good album. Uh, li- uh, live, live for tomorrow. Gotcha. Just doing a day to remember common courtesy. Um, if Walls could talk is doing Twenty One Pilots vessel. False chord is doing Eskimo Alexandria Re- reckless and relentless. Yes. We got Plain View doing Sep Eternal by Bring Me the Horizon. Uh, be good. Um, Here We Harbor, Sleeping with Sirens, Let's Cheers to This. Okay. That's going to be a good one. Um, and then um, Lost Horizons, State Champs, Finer Things. So we got we got a lot of a lot of local talent um, playing some big, uh, big albums. So this one is actually called this 10 year fanfare is called uh, Making Up for Lost Time. So instead of just doing it from um, 2014, it's going to be all the three years that we're kind oh, of Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like spread out. Um, Made a Parade was going to possibly be on the lineup. Um, the uh, the people that were going to do that kind of backed out and kind of had some switching around to do. Um, but yeah, we've got Chunk, no Captain Chunk on there, Sleeping with Sirens, Pierce the Veil, Ghost Inside, uh, As We Divide is doing the Ghost Inside Gear Youth. Ooh, that'll be good. Yeah, yeah. Um, if if Walls Could Talk, 21 Pilots, like I said, we got uh, like Moths to Flames as well. So it's a really, really fun show. Um, I, I, I really enjoy going to those shows because obviously I love those albums that came out 10 years ago and I love to see local talent in general, but local talent, you know, playing those albums mm-hmm. um so this is, like, like, is this like the same people that do cheapy creepy too or is it different group, but... nope. um in let's see where did this because that kind of has the a similar um it, behavior style it's a very similar vibe and it yeah. is at the crowfoot no um it's uh it's by um dylan dahlberg and a couple other um of his uh buddies that he's doing it with right now um what is let me see let me try and get the rest of this frame so i can see you guys there you go um no it's not by the same creepy uh creepy cheapy people i think the crowfoot um does creepy cheapy themselves 
Okay, gotcha. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think that, uh, yeah. But it is, it is very much creepy, cheapy vibes um, in the sense of local bands playing or covering other artists. Um, but the, I guess the difference is with creepy, cheapy, they're just covering that artist. And gotcha, they can versus the album itself. Yeah, exactly. that makes sense. Sweet. Yeah, that that's uh, awesome. And being involved in that, I'm sure that you're probably looking to kind of catch some of that out where you're at now trying to find the local scene and make connections for that yeah absolutely i you know you know i i always love to have connections in 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 the music scene and industry and not just to have them but just to like to be you know in in, you know in part of it yeah Uh, and so yeah so i'm looking for that out here and trying to just like you know go to shows meet people learn some of the local talent um you know, and meet some new bands, see some new music that might not be local, but I'm still like learning because they're passing through here on the way to somewhere else or actually are touring. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely like on the lookout for meeting the people who are putting on some of those fun events and shows because, you know, I've only been really to one or two venues so far. Right. So I'm trying to like, you know, make those connections and, you know find your tribe (laughs) exactly well what's what's really funny and you know i have to just not force it because two like within the first two weeks of being here right so like my hair has always been like a thing i'm very like partial or like very my hair is very important right and i have my friend back at home who cuts my hair yeah and so i'm like rachel like what am i gonna do right so i got my hair cut right before i left so i could show up and just like be like hey can you do my hair like this kind of thing right and, you know, I was kind of having like a little bit of trouble finding places, whatever. And I was like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to emo night. Like, <laughs> I'm going to go to emo night. If there's somebody that can cut my hair, they're going to be there, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I went there and and it was funny, like the day before I said that jokingly, uh, the, the following day, I was just on Facebook and an ad for an emo night, a local emo night came up. I'm just like, did I just manifest this? Like, just you <laughs> that or your phone's listening to you. Exactly. Right. <laughs> it's probably a little bit of both. Um. So, so I went there and it was so weird. I, I felt out of place. It was nothing like an emo night back at home. It just, it, it felt, you know, for lack of better terms, it just felt like a bunch of like nerds that like knew some emo songs, you know, yeah. there was like no skinny jeans, no colored hair, like no piercings. And it's like, that's fine. Like let them love that music and whatnot. But like, I went there like with a, with a reason. Yeah. <laughs> You, I, were, you were on a mission and it I was not on, very out. much on a mission and I very much <laughs> failed that mission. Um, but the following weekend, I was like, you know what? There's a there's a an event just called Art Night. And it was at this place called Walter's Studios. And I was like, that looks cool. Like they're doing like live art. They've got some like bands going on, some vendors. I'm like, oh, man, I'm just going to go check it out. Right. It was like prom night theme. So I dressed up and just went um, just went alone. And I met the coolest people they're artists, musicians, vendors, um, other people that were just like cool and chill and liked very similar music to me. And it was because it wasn't, you know, forced, I think. Right. Um, and my one friend that's been dragging me, you know, telling me to go to all these other shows down in Mesa. Um, I met her there that night too. So, so I met a lot of really good people, a lot of good connections. Um, and so I just have to continue on like that path and not force it. And I'll just meet the right people and get into the right scenes. You know, I think you're making a good case for why the the independent 
music scene is important and why like independent artist areas are important to make these connections and stuff because a lot of the time like i know even um just for the little bit that i went with anti-ghosts to go to kalamazoo and lansing like made so many connections with a bunch of different people met new people in bands um got to kind of see I think I was missing that part of it for a while. And that was something I talked about a little bit in length before, but it was like, I forgot how important that is to music in general. It's like your local scenes raising up the people that are involved to bring them to the next level. And then they start expanding from there. And you get these, you get some people that they're like from around here, they go, yeah, as long as I can play venues like The Loving Touch, like, I'm good. I'm happy, you know, that sort of thing. So there are some people that they want to make it to I Prevail, We Came as Romans level. And some people, they want to just, you know, have a input in the scene without getting too immersed in the mainstream part of it. Yeah, or but, without getting too focused on that as the end goal. Because Exactly. You know, the, the jump from here to there could be way, way too large if you're focused to, you know. Right. Another interesting thing that popped in my head when you were talking was that you brought up doing emo night and the emo night is completely different out there. It's funny for emo night here because the the, the one that gets thrown at the magic bag is um the emo night with N.I.T.E. It's not the Brooklyn one. Yes. And right. when the guy comes in from Chicago there, he is constantly trying to tell us I'm not playing the hard stuff yet let me work my way up to it because everybody's like i want chiotos i want icy Yo. stars i want yeah. like he's like you guys are trying to go too hard too fast and Gator, remember, we, want you to, we want you to open up your show with and it's funny because like you get that and then there was somebody that came along with uh the dj this past time that was co-djing and they decided that they were going to throw in Hot Mulligan in there. And they're like, I know, I know you guys want to hear your stuff. Here, here's some Hot Mulligan. We will get to the Chiotos later. We will get to the hardcore later. But here's your Hot Mulligan for now. And like, It was interesting to see, like, because I didn't even realize for the longest time that Hot Mulligan was from here either. So, like, that was kind of a funny beat to realize that there wasn't as many people that knew who Hot Mulligan were at Emo Night, but like you put on something like uh, from Chiodos from Bone Palace Ballet, everybody's like right in there. They know exactly what's going on. And that's so funny. You know, you you mentioned the the locality of certain mm -hmm. bands that that us, you know, growing up from growing up in Michigan, the Detroit area, you know, maybe we take for granted, right? And this is right. a perfect example. Um, two weekends ago when I went out to um, the, the venue is called the Nile out in Mesa in Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona. And I went out there and uh, there was there's a new kind of like an emo band that was playing that I had, you know, really enjoyed that night. And I, I had mentioned to my one friend, you know, like I said, she's got colored hair, piercings, dresses, you know, just like me, you know, skinny jeans, whatever. And I said, oh, like they, they sound just like La Dispute. And she and she looked at me and she's like, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> And like I, my, I, my, my brain just stopped working. And I was like, you don't know La Dispute. I was like, I was like, I, I feel like anybody just knows La Dispute, whether you like, like them or like love them or don't like them at all. Like, I feel like that's a band that you just like recognize or know. Yeah. Um, you at least know it, the name or a song. 
Yeah, I, I know I've yeah. played you one before, but like I would not pick. <laughs> I know I've played one. Before. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so, and and I know as of recently, their um their one song became pretty popular on TikTok. The I think I saw you in my sleep, yep. darling. I yeah, that's the one that I I know I've played it for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you would probably you would recognize it. But like as somebody that I thought was like in the scene and like is like pretty sceney, like emo, I was I just like my mind was blown that they didn't know. And then I asked her friends that like we ended up meeting up with if they knew. And like none of them knew La Dispute until I played that one song. They're like, oh yeah, from TikTok. Yeah, yeah. And like, and that just, that made me realize how like local and how, how we take some of that kind of for granted, you know, is because they are iconic to us, even though they're not huge. Right. Um. I think I brought that up to somebody semi recently. I was talking about the um, I was talking about movement. I think we was last episode where I had this like mini rant of like, I think people take movement for granted because it's here. If you're from here, you're just like, oh, it's movement. But then you start thinking about it that like people come from all over the world to come to movement. And there are all these DJs that travel from across the world. And we're like, essentially, we are the Ibiza of you know the u.s and people don't necessarily think about it that way and i think that that's we have such a a music rich culture in detroit in general between you've got our rap our rap scene we've got people that are in the mainstream all the way down we've got people in the rock scene in so many different ways all the way down and then you've got the electronic bass as well and like all of it is churning from here but i think that sometimes even like I know for me, there have been times where like I was going through lineups and picking out what I was going to photograph and whatever. And then it'd be like, eh, I've already photographed. I prevail. I'll do it a different time. And like yeah. it's in your brain. Yeah. You're thinking like, oh, I'll catch them again. They're they're here. They they're from here. Why? Right, why right. Where's the sense of urgency? But then you start <laughs> right. thinking of it and you're like, wait a minute. Like, no, they're 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 huge now. Like, you know, it's different than 2015 when they're selling out the crowfoot, you know, oh. Which is the first time I shot them. So it was like trying to wrap your brain around it. But there's so many bands that do come for your, like I say, like we came as Romans. I somehow never photographed them. And it's, I think part of my brain is like, it's local, you know? Yeah, right. But it's really not. And there are places that, you know, these people don't hear about the same music we do. So I'm interested to see six months to a year from now when you've been living there how much you absorb from their version and their scene and what is out there versus what we know. Absolutely. And especially because because being so surrounded in the music scene out in Detroit, I'm kind of more like extra aware of this, you know, and and like I said, I, I have to like let it happen naturally. I can't just be like, you know, trying to force things or whatever. But because I am so aware of it, that's absolutely something that I'm going to be completely conscious of because I love to compare and contrast. I'm, you know, very like, like I want to say like data driven, but like human brain data driven, right? Like I very like to compare and, and all of that. No, you're an AB um, guy. I get it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you're exactly. an AB tester. One hundred percent, absolutely. Um, so I'm being my own kind of guinea pig to kind of you know see that. And for some reason, I don't know why, but I moving out here, I assumed that the metal scene was going to be 
big, huge, and like bigger, right? Because right. like I know, I know there's quite a few, um, quite a few bands from from Phoenix area in general, and being so close to California and Vegas, I just like assumed, you know. And so it'll be it'll be very fun and interesting to kind of, you know, be extra aware and conscious of that. Hell yeah. Well, I have a game for you. I already sort of pre-prepped you, but yeah. I have a game for you. So because of your design interest and, and your background and everything that you do involving design, I've pulled four font faces, typefaces, and I want you to pick what band goes with this. And it's it's more based on their personality style, not not necessarily like this album has this font. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, I totally uh, th- these are not like crazy deep font yeah. choices, but I'm yeah. interested to see what you come up with. That's even it's- better. And that's that's even better. And um, for the record, it will be very, very hard to uh, to not picture a specific album to <laughs> that, that that isn't in that font. So so forgive me if I choose an album because I can picture that having that exact font. <laughs> well, these are these are more generic fonts too. Like I said, like I didn't go down the rabbit hole, but I'm starting with your favorite because I know you have a tattoo of this. So Helvetica, who do you who do you cast? Yes. Oh, Helvetica. Based on okay, so I'll base this off of the fact that um it's everywhere. So they're everywhere. Um it is kind of basic, but it works. Oh here's a little um Hi. He's <laughs> times. My rat. Um, <laughs> the fact the fact that uh, it's everywhere. Uh, a lot of people know about it, whether they have, whether they know the name of it or not. It's still recognizable. Um, I'm gonna go with Blink 182. I think that fits. Just because based off of based off of those, based off of the personality and not the look of it. Yeah. It's everywhere. People people know about it. it. All generations can hear a song of Blink One Eighty Two, generally, and like recognize it. You know, my parents could, and my children definitely will. You know. Yes, exactly. Yeah. There's um, I, there was a sports thing I think at one point where they asked somebody about Blink One Eighty Two, or they were trying to mentioned something about Tom DeLonge in a sports cast and it was like on a baseball thing or something. And he goes, you've heard it before. You heard him go, where are you? And they're like, oh, yeah. oh, oh that guy, that guy. Okay, I know <laughs> no, who that is. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. All no. right, so second font, Baskerville. Ooh, ooh. Okay. Um, I think for this one, I'm going to go with Hawthorne Heights. Oh yeah. Baskerville is a it's a very beautiful font, easy to read. Um, but it's got some um little bit of like darkness to it, a little bit of edge. Um I feel like the serifs add to that. Absolutely. Yeah. A little bit like I wanna say like, you know, Edgar Allan Poe kind of, but I mean that's just because, you know, books, poems. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Hawthorne Heights on that one. Perfect. Okay. Next one is Rockwell. Ooh, okay. Um, I don't know if that's as close to Baskerville as I'm thinking, but like that was the next thing that I could kind of think of because there's yeah, a little bit yeah. of a difference. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know what? For that one, I'm gonna go Taking Back Sunday. Okay. Um, it is a little bit more. 
little bit more easier um, in general, easier reading, easier listening, right? Um, Hawthorne Heights is a little bit more, I want to say a little bit more emotional, but like they're probably equally more emotional. More screaming involved. As far as lyrics, but yeah, yeah a little bit less, uh, and a little bit yeah. more, uh, you know. Um, <laughs> you did that well. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I'm going to go take him back Sunday on that one. Okay, and then the last one is Re- is it Roboto or Re- Roboto? <laughs> like Robot, Roboto. <laughs> Roboto. Let's see. Let's see what that one is. Let's see. It's not like a crazy, it, it kind of leans a little little on the side of like a alternative for maybe a Helvetica, but not too crazy. All this font talk weird. You're like, I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, ooh. This one would be... It's like a it's like a more system font. Um I think for this one, let me see. Let me look at my my recent <laughs> you recently played. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cuz like system font wouldn't that like kind of like lead you to something that has electronic bass? Yeah. Mixture uh, in with the rock side. Not to lead you to a decision. No, no, my yeah. Thought process um, right there. You know what? I'm gonna go with "Hello Goodbye." Yes. Oh, yeah. that makes perfect sense. Very, 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 very. You know, electronic, but still got that. You know, like the very emo vibes, but kind of more system and you know. Yeah, I had completely forgotten about "Shimmy Shimmy Quarter Turn." At some point, and like during the pandemic, it ca- I came across it again, and I went, "Oh my god, I forgot about this part of my life." <laughs> oh my god! I know so it definitely good. it definitely unlocks a core memory. Okay, you know? like, like "Hello Goodbye," Postal Service, like like it, it reminds you of like walking into like Hollister in like two thousand <laughs> two thousand and six, and like some crazy remix is like happening of it that you never even knew about. Right, <laughs> I got kicked out of a Hollister once because I looked too goth. They asked me if I was lost. Sounds like sounds I'm about, not joking. The hot top about is right. down the hall. I had yeah, a, like, yeah. black and red cargo pants and a black t-shirt and a ball chain, and they're like, "Are you lost? I think you're. I think that you need another store." It's so and funny. I was like, oh, am I making people uncomfortable with my base <laughs> level non-gothness? Like, what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> well, it's so funny because now I think it's the opposite. First of all, I mean, they're struggling in general because they're in malls. So I'm sure they're like, come here, come in here. We have black clothes. We have black clothes. Oh, you want clothes with holes in them? We've got those too. Come on. Um, and, and I would be lying if I said that most of my wardrobe right now is not Hollister clothes. <laughs> Well, like, like I, what's crazy is you, you wanted know, the tighter fit, though. The, the tighter fit, like they honestly, their their skinny jeans now are are great. They're super cheap because like nobody's going there, and they have <laughs> those they have those like long black uh, curved hem like long tees. Okay, yeah, yeah. You no, know? and it's like wow. Like I just you know went in there one time for like boxers or like you know pants, and I ended up with like a whole wardrobe from there. I mean, I I do find myself like sharpieing the black or sharpieing the seagull you know <laughs> on, on some other shirts i'm not gonna lie um <laughs> that's where patches come in that's where you need yeah. to start patching things <laughs> yeah yeah 
Yeah, but okay. but all of my all of my all of my black skinny jeans with holes and without them are from Hollister. Not gonna lie, which is kind of kind of wild, you know. That is a funny turn. It yeah. really is. So my la- my last question for you. So because you love Chiodos, what font would you pick personality wise for them? Um, I would say it's very hard because there's. So they're the two favorite albums of mine are incredibly different. Mm-hmm. Um if I had to choose one. Um I wanna say uh I wanna say it's called Dido. Um let me see if I can pull it up. Um, because it is a yeah, Dido. Um it is a, a longer, more extended uh serif font. And it's kind of like a high fashion, but it could also be. It has it has very very exaggerated and contrasted, um, everything right. So if you look at an O, you look at a zero, at the the O, the sides mm-hmm. are very very fat, but the tops and bottoms are very very thin. So it's very very exaggerated. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. I see what you mean. Like it's very exaggerated, but very um, uh, like pretty. And it has like an essence of beauty, but also like exaggeration and like highs, lows, louds, quiets, you know, pretty yeah. and raw. And now now you know what the psychology of picking the perfect font is. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have to much. find something that goes with it. Because if you use something ridiculous, like I think we were making fun of, what was it? We were making fun of Comic Sans the other day. And I was like, that's oh, yeah. for like an out of order for a bathroom sign. Yep. library or something yeah for children like it just it just keeps going and going and going and it's like <laughs> even in my record albums and find the fonts i liked for my favorite bands and be like that font <laughs> i want it yep. that font <laughs> yep <laughs> and and depending on how old the the record is the font might not even exist it's true very at true. all or it might be you know fully created for that i mean if you look yeah at, you have custom fonts and stuff like oh, that if you look like, at like a like a boston album or yes or mm-hmm. sticks right. oh yeah you're not finding that font anywhere which is what, look how old he thinks i am Stop. no well the funny thing is is i looked at my record pile and i know that i have yes and cream and sticks in there and i know that yes. like if i think back to like those albums especially boston i mean boston's got those like crazy bubbly fonts yeah. you know um, people don't realize that a lot of, of fonts are created specifically for things if the branding is heavy enough like uh ford has their own specific uh font even though it looks very close to a Helvetica. Yep. A little bit of Futura in there. It's yep. definitely their specific font because even creating ads for them, they give you the font. They're yep. like, oh, you're making ads for your website for us? Here's our font. You must use this. And by the way, follow the brand guidelines and cut off half the logo. Yep. I have issues with the Ford logo. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah. So... Thank you for coming on, talking yeah. and music yeah. and Chiodos. I know we didn't get to di- deep dive a little bit too much, but who's to say we can't have you again at some point? Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you guys for having me. It was a blast. And then um, tell everybody where they can find you if they want to see your graphics stuff. Yeah, um, I own a printing design company called Diamond Print and Promo, at Diamond Print Promo on Instagram and Facebook. 
um, or diamondprintpromo.com. Sweet. Thank you yep. so much for hanging out and we'll talk to you. Oh, he's got the, oh, you got the neon sign back there. Yeah. yeah. Yep. <laughs> that looks great. I mean, if anybody wants to see that, they got to go and watch this video on Twitch. So, <laughs> yep. all right. We will be awesome. back with Thanks, our guys. serotonin boosts. Thank you once again to our guest, uh, Brendan. What was the last name? Brendan. Brandon Conlon for talking to us about Kyoto's and post-hardcore and bonds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it helps that um, it, when he did the bugs here for about the underground, I don't know whether it's helpful or hurtful for both of us to have the design knowledge that we have. Yeah. But you're going back and forth. Well, what about this spot? What about this spot? Right. Like, we must literally say. All right, well, let's wrap up this week's show with our serotonin boost. I usually ask you to go first. I'm just going to go first. Okay. I talk. I mean, I don't want. That's too too bad. I'm going first this time. Um, I mentioned last week they did a PlayStation State of Play. Part of that was 10 full minutes of footage from Death Stranding 2. And was. I was like, I, 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 I felt the smile on my face somewhere around like minute eight. And realized it had been there the entire time. I can't, I even said it on, on X. I can't believe that Hideo Kojima, at this point in his career and at this point in my life, can still show me things I never imagined that are the coolest shit ever. So, the villain from Death Stranding 1, I don't think this is a huge spoiler because you can go and watch it online. The villain from Death Stranding 1 returns in the new game, but he's got a new look to him and he has a weapon that is an electric guitar. That when he plays it, fires electricity out of the head. <laughs> and it's awesome. The tower's crap. <laughs> Just since we came back. Okay. Well, support us on Patreon at $5 a month so we can buy a new USB tower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a mess. So we can uh, not have to deal with that. No, he's got the guitar that does the thing. Also, there's in, in Death Stranding, there's like the black gunk mm-hmm. that, that, you know, tries to swallow you up. Yeah. One of the characters has a little black cat made of the gunk that has bat wings. Ah, cute. If there's, a, there's a puppet that's like uh, one of the characters has that is animated like Spider-Verse. Hmm. It's, like, it's like a marionette, but it's animated like Spider-Verse while everyone else is animated like normal yeah. stuff. And and it talks to you and 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 stuff. What was the other thing? Oh, so in the first game you had like this little mechanical thing that would look around, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it looked like kind of like a mechanical hand or something like that. One of the characters that's returning has one of those, except hers looks like like it's holding a cloak on, and it mm-hmm. looks like a pair of human hands. Oh. And at one point she puts a cigarette in her mouth, and the hand comes up and snaps its fingers and lights the cigarette. <laughs> so fucking cool! Oh. That game better come to something other than the PlayStation 5 or I'm screwed. Yeah, then that would be the thing. That's the thing, yeah. yeah that would Spider-Man be- 2 looks awesome. The new Final Fantasy 7 came comes out this week and that's everyone saying that's awesome. Like if you in 2024 give me three reasons to have a PlayStation 5, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Yep. I'm going to look at it and go I spent $700 on that thing. <laughs> Every time I fire it up, oh my Pretty god, that, that thing was. You'll play it all the time because you'll. Just because I'll feel guilty. That it, it was this expensive. Yeah. Why do you think I use my camera all the time? All right. 
So that's my serotonin boost. It was amazing. Well, we'll lead into my serotonin boost, which leads into me saying stuff about my camera. Okay. We've been watching home movies, which is... Uh, yes. Give me a little bit of backstory. Uh, the creator of home movies, Brendan Small, uh, would go on years later to create Metalocalypse. He also plays in the Death Clock band when they go on tour. Mm-hmm. He's the guitarist and the vocalist. <laughs> um, very funny man. Very funny guy. Yeah. So this has H. John Benjamin playing the soccer coach. Yep. He's the voice of Bob of Bob's Burgers. Yes. And Archer. Uh, Archer, I believe. Yep. Um, And so this is like a whole thing of like an eight-year-old kid that makes movies in his basement with his two friends. And his camcorder. And his camcorder. And he goes to school, obviously, and the teachers are hilarious. His mom is hilarious. A lot of the guest voices or comedians and stuff like that yeah but specifically we were watching an episode in which brendan decides that he wants a fisheye lens because he wants it to look all weird and stuff when they do the specific movie that they're trying to film or whatever so he finally gets the money for this fisheye lens and goes to the store and he's like yes i'm gonna buy it this time and the guy looks at his camera and goes, that doesn't fit on this camera. It's funny, too, because his video camera looks like a Fisher-Price camera. Yes. He's like, this doesn't fit on this camera. And he goes, oh, so I need a new camera? And the guy's like, yeah. And he's like, well, how much is that one? And he goes, $1,400. And, <laughs> and he freaks out. Brendan freaks out. And usually, you know, in, in joking camera humor, I'm going to laugh no matter what. Right. But it was that much worse because knowing that my camera cost $1,400, he's like, who can afford $1,400? My mom can't afford that. Nobody can afford that. I am mad at you. And the guy's looking at him. He's like, at the situation. At the situation. His friends are trying to drag him out of the camera shop. And I I totally understand that feeling. Yeah. And I know exactly that feeling. And I'm like, this hits way too close to home. And I could not stop laughing. And I have watched it over and over again. That's I went, funny. I clipped it from YouTube and then saved it on my phone. I have shared it with multiple photographers now. I'm just like, this is this is our life right here. I love when I can show you a television show of some sort and then I can hear you giggling next to me or hear you laugh at something and I'm like, oh, cool. She yeah. likes it. Yeah. Yeah, home movies has been great. I enjoy all the characters. It's, I, I think it's like the original, like it's the first show that Adult Swim picked up after it got canceled off of Fox Yeah, and then inevitably got renewed yeah. a couple years later so they could make a couple more uh, seasons of it before they did that with like Family Guy. Yeah, and we were starting to watch other stuff because we, it it started with the rabbit hole of going to Aqua Teen when the Super Bowl was coming. Yes, and we were going to watch. What? Which two tickets to the Super Bowl? They're under the Super Bowl. You know, the Super Bowl is in Detroit this year. (laughs) Super Bowl was in Detroit this year. Right. (laughs) Going with Maxie. (laughs) (laughs) And so we've got that, and then then we started watching Harvey Harvey Birdman. Birdman. Yeah, I I showed you watch some of those. I showed you some choice Harvey Birdman episodes and realized that it wasn't as funny as I remembered. Yeah, it's it's funny, but it's still funny. Yeah, some of it's really good. And then some of it's like, oh, there's a reason that like C-Lab and Aqua Teen completely outshone this. Yeah, yeah. But it's still still pretty funny. So definitely watch more of that. But home movies has been our 
our go-to when we're eating <laughs> dinner and stuff. It's a lot of fun. It's great. Can't wait to watch some more Eric Andre. <laughs> and, uh, oh, God, that too. Uh, Eric Andre, we've done Key and Peel. Yeah. Key and Peel's been great. I can't say the word nice anymore. Nice. Nice. He's in the rain. So, yeah. Anyway, horse movies. I said, said, we quote that way too much. That's in the first episode. I did that to some, like I, I did that to somebody, and they knew exactly what it was. And that show is over a decade old. <laughs> it is a great show. That is also I finally saw the thing the the Ryan Reynolds and uh, John Krasinski thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Where they with got, Randall Park. Where they got Randall Park to yeah. be John Krasinski, and, and Ryan Reynolds was like, "You're not John Krasinski." <laughs> I love that. Krasinski and Randall Park have decided that this is just going to happen. This is a joke that they will take from a show that they were on almost 20 years ago and continue to perpetuate. And yet everyone still knows what it is, too. Right. Is it even funnier? Fantastic. Um, Somebody photoshopped Randall Park on Mr. Fantastic. Absolutely. Yep, totally. If Marvel doesn't do that at least once, (laughs) you're, you're missing you're put, still, leaving money on the table. I still think they're leaving money on the table by not giving Darcy and him their own show. I agree. They they need to just let Darcy and uh, Agent what's what was his name? I do you remember? Do not remember. And like they need to have those two just go and have like a Monster of the Week show. Yep, I agree. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us on Twitch. As you can, whenever we uh, we do put a show together, whenever yeah, on a week where we pull a show together, pull a show together, and I'm not destroying everything on uh, on Wednesday nights around seven o'clock. And um, I swear to God, someday I'll stream games on this again, this yeah, channel you again. Should. Yeah, you should. I I sit down to play games and I'm like, oh, I don't feel like turning the stream on. I just want to play for myself. Well, that's the thing that a lot of people run into. It's a it's a I I don't want to create content. I just want to do stuff for me. Yeah. And I totally understand. I, th- I think I need to hit up Hall Gaming and uh, and Raceland and be like, and have have them on this show to teach me like how do you how do you elevate your desire to stream? Yes, because they're straight Hall Gaming streaming as we speak and watching us. Yeah. So because he's a really big fan, he's a really big fan. Even though he unfollowed us, and he followed. Yeah, he refollowed us. <laughs> It's fine. There was just a brief moment where he was like, "I was talking about Taylor Swift." Yeah, he was. He was wavered a little. It's okay. We still, we feel you. We'll be back next week. Thank you very much. They are much funnier. It is, it is practically a joke. You know, with hands, you just have to use the other system. <laughs> uh.